Welcome to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive, featuring conversations with performing artists and industry influencers on what it takes to succeed in the arts. I am your host, Diane Foy, and I believe that you really can make a living from your creative talents. As a publicist, podcaster, and coach, my mission is to educate, motivate, and empower you to thrive with authenticity, creativity, and purpose. Hello, and welcome to episode 52 of Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Today's guest, Daryl Hers, is the founder of Indie Week, a music festival and conference that takes place annually in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, that showcases acts from all over the world. This year, like many events, they are transitioning it into an online conference, which is taking place November 10th to 14th. Daryl is also the Canadian representative for CD Baby, an online distribution company that gets independent artists onto all the major streaming and purchasing platforms. This episode is jam-packed with information, so I'll get straight to the interview. For links and a transcript, visit singdanceactthrive.com slash 052. Hello, Daryl. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me here. You're founded Indie Week, and then you also are the Canadian representative for CD Baby? That's right. Uh, started Indie Week, I guess, 18 years ago now, which is crazy to think of. And uh, I've been with CD Baby for a year and a half. How do you manage both? Uh, there's a lot of crossover, thankfully, in, in tasks and roles. Uh, like I often normally during this time, I'd be out at conferences representing both. So a lot of the same conversations over and over. And, uh, you know, we're just wearing both hats and talking about both, just like we're going to do here. Right. So Indie Week this year, it looks it looks different. Like every conference this year is 2020. Um, how have you transitioned it? What is Indie Week 2020 looking like? Well, it, it's interesting because we actually canceled it at the start of all this, uh, thinking there's no way we can do in-person events like we normally do, which is true. Uh, but we just started seeing everything transitioning online. And also a big part of our messaging and what we're doing, everything it's about is is trying to tell artists that things are going to be okay, but now is the time to connect, get your business in order. Uh, so a lot of the programming right now for our conference is going to be talking about how artists upload music, distribute music, get their publishing in order so they can monetize music, how they can do publicity, uh, promotions, all of that kind of stuff. But also a big part is going to be for those in music business and artists to connect. So we we actually have a really big international focus this year, um, especially not having to pay for flights and hotels. It means we can cover more territory. So we actually have sessions that focus on uh, Central Europe, Eastern Europe, UK, Ireland, Asia and Latin America, including Mexico. So we're going to have a lot of international delegates participating as well, more more than ever before, which is actually very exciting to us. That's great. Um, 
I've been learning about countries I've never heard of looking at the podcast stats. So I definitely have more international listeners than Canada. So lots of US, lots of India. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, this is an interesting thing. I've sort of been, I guess over the last couple of years, I've been really sort of telling people like there's a whole world out there. There's a yeah. lot more people out there. Like if you think like all the population of all of Canada could pretty much fit in California, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like it, it, it does show a lot. And, and, you know, when you're looking at raising your online streams, your stats, your subscribers, your followers, really look at where the market is. And often there's big population areas outside of our country that is just waiting for new music. So this is a huge opportunity right now. Yeah, there's just, it's a whole world now, <laughs> you know, and you, you can think outside of your own country. Um, so this year for Indie Week, it's more the conference side of it. Obviously, no real performances. That's right. Uh, we're, we're still trying to navigate whether we are going to have any kind of performance, and if so, recorded or where, because I mean, you know, where we're located in Toronto, things are kind of going backwards right now, and locking down again or more restrictions again, uh, which is what we kind of anticipated. And it's really hard to plan around, well, option A is we'll be all together in a room. Option B is we'll be in a room, but a very small portion of us. Option C is some in a room and some online. And option D is no one in a room. Uh, like there's just too many options. So, so that's part of the reason why we're looking at not having the performances uh, like we normally do. Um, plus as well, there's still being a lot figured out in royalties because that's a whole new sort of focus right now of how do, how do artists collect royalties properly from doing these performances. And there's, a, there's, a, there's almost like just too much of a gray area. It's like kind of a red flag as to not knowing how much we would have to pay out in royalties or where. Um, right. Because here's the talks of royalties. It's like if you perform online, live, that's a performance royalty. But if it was streamed as well somewhere, that may be a distribution type royalty or uh, something similar to like a radio. And then you got to go, was a file created? Like, was it recorded? That's a different royalty. Uh, and mm -hmm. then if it's posted anywhere like YouTube, that's a different royalty. And uh, where are all the listeners and viewers from internationally? Well, then that's royalty collections from wherever <laughs> they're from. <laughs> so it might be a little too complicated this year. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what? Uh, yeah, like I, I, I was I'm participating in a lot of like online talks and uh, there was a talk about all of this and um, was there's there's seven scenarios, which is crazy, like. Option A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like, there's so many different scenarios of what's going on. And a big factor is we're, if we're to have those kind of performances, we have to have written permission from not only the performers, but everybody who's part of the songwriter credits. Right. So, yeah, just so much headache. Uh, yeah. Uh, we probably, if anything, uh, we're working on artist pitches and that would be more one-on-one -on -one speed meeting style where an artist can pitch their song through either Spotify or a video. 
So we're still having music component, but it's going to be more business oriented and, and hopefully we'll produce more results that way. Right. Yeah. And so who are your guests? What is What are the dates of the Indie Week? How can people find out more about it, sign up, all that stuff? All that stuff. Uh, IndieWeek.com. Uh, I-N-D-I-E-W-E-E-K.com. Um, we're still posting our full schedule. Uh, we're working with an online platform and we're hoping that schedule is out either this week or next. We do have a working schedule that we posted, so we just keep adding to it. And uh, which is great. And we've got really like I feel really one of our strongest lineups because the other thing is that we're able to invite all these speakers and they don't have to leave their house and they're more willing to participate more than ever before. Uh, so, um, yes, I'm with CD Baby. So therefore, as well, uh, the CEO of CD Baby, Tracy Maddox, is our first keynote speaker. Uh, we've got Martin Atkins who's played in like Nine Inch Nails Ministry. He's written books. He's amazing. He's also doing a presentation. Uh, Dimitri from uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors, uh, PR company out of the States, is doing a presentation. And we've got a lot on publishing, uh, tech. It, it's it's quite extensive. And, and so as far as like who's speaking, it's going to be a lot. Um, We'll probably have around 100 different speakers when it's all said and done. And as far as other delegates to meet, we'll probably have like 500 more after on top of that. Right. What are the dates? Oh, uh, November 10th to the 14th. So it's like cool. a Tuesday through Saturday. And the way we're trying to program it is almost like uh, if you're an artist, these are the ses sessions you're most interested in. If you're doing business, these are the most sessions you're interested in and so on. And so we're trying to be sensitive to the scheduling because I know uh, people don't necessarily want to be on screen for six to eight hours every day for five days. So. Uh, yeah. And also with different time zones. Oh yeah. That, that's fun. Like that's it, a whole other thing, right? Yeah. We've got a couple early and later sessions uh, because of, like with our Asia speakers and, and so forth. Um, I think that's like a nine in the morning one. Not too bad. Yeah. And so I, I put the word out to some artists if they have any questions for you. And uh, Donna King, mm -hmm. she asked about Indie Week. Will any of it be recorded so we can listen to it at another time? Yes. Because if the timing of something doesn't work for them. Yes. They can watch it later. Yeah. It's all being recorded. Um, as far as when we're going to be posting it, uh, like what we're trying to do is be able to record it and then post it so that during that week you can tune in anytime after it's taken place. Um, we're seeing if we can keep it up on that platform for another week following. And then we've got some plans for the next year that I can't really get into as much, but there's going to be, uh, we're working on big changes. That's for sure. And uh, content is going to be a big part of it. So what are some of the, the topics? Um, Donna was mentioning doing business in Latin America. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, basically, like, we, like I said, those territories, uh, we're covering each of them. Uh, we've actually hired a company out of uh, England to, as an advisor on like, putting together some of the best speakers that we can, like the best quality speakers. 
and, and people to do the B2B meetings with. Um, and then like, so there's an educational side that's how to do publishing, how to do royalties, how to get your music online and do it properly so you can actually make money from it. Uh, sometimes I find artists, uh, sometimes the metadata that they upload isn't the strongest. So maybe they're not found as much. Uh, sometimes there's mistakes and it's not going to collect. Uh, so we're doing education on that side because I really do feel this is a time for artists to take a pause on the live side and look at their business side, get that completely in order so that they're ready to, you know, have success. Because I, I find, you know, let's face it, in the real world all the time, I find artists are kind of chasing, like running, like how many times have you heard of a CD release party and they just got the CDs hours before doors opening or sometimes not even taking place. Right. So. Yeah. And I still get inquiries for publicity for an album that they just released. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I want to cry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of why I got into coaching is that because more and more publicity is so hard to get for an indie artist, unless you have, you know, professional bio and website and social media activity and an interesting story and all this stuff going on, I can't get you anything. Sorry. And so, and I would send them on their way, but now it's like, okay, I will walk you through step-by-step step and teach you and set you up to attract the fans, media, and industry that will make it so that you can actually make a living at this thing. That's, that's it. Exactly. And a lot of what you just said is topics that we're covering because it's, it's that exactly like, and you know, since uh, joining CD baby, I literally have had calls and text messages like Thursday night. Hey man, I'm just in the studio finishing up. Our master should be done tomorrow. Can we have this up by Tuesday? And I'm like, but obviously you aren't promoting it then. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, like obviously there's no plan. You're just wanted out there. And and I think, you know, tech has made it where I, I, you know, I think this also falls under mental health and, and we are having mental health sessions as well, just to be clear, um, right. is that tech has made it where I think we always feel we haven't done enough. We haven't accomplished enough and there's much more to do. So I think we're always there in this sense of like, I need to do more and I, I'm, I'm behind and, and I think we're all rushing without thinking. And I think, uh, you know, that's had an effect on us and, you know, media sometimes isn't helping that either by, um, you know, like you're, they're always looking for fresh new content all the time. And, and so content is king and now we're content providers more and more these days. So yeah, it's, it, Artists need to take a pause and, and kind of get business in order and plan things out and, and just, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. You know, like yeah. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. And uh, I've had some conversation with the artists. They're like, Oh, I, I finished a song. I need it out. And like, even the way they're talking is fast and stressed. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so you're done this song. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to I'm like, okay, cool. Well, how about you release it in about two months? Oh, what? No, but it's done. And I'm like, done doesn't mean you need to get it out there. 
Like yeah. done means start planning it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I love artists. That's why I work with them. But yeah, it's that you come up with that over and over again because they're so eager. Mm -hmm. Like they love the creative part. And then they're like, okay, let's release it. Let's, you know, um, there's that study that just came out that, you know, um, you know, during lockdown, most musicians use that extra time to create more music and not necessarily on marketing. And mm -hmm. it's also said something like 40% don't spend any money on marketing. And it's just not, they just don't understand it yet, so. Well, that's, you know what? Uh, I, that's sort of my staple talk all the time is marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, you gotta tell people something exists for them to know about it. And then you gotta find a way to connect with an audience so that they care about it. And the issue is, is that, well, more music is being uploaded more than ever right now. It's, it's crazy the amount of music that's being released. So that means you have more competition. And you're right. So many artists, unfortunately, and, and you know, I, I don't want to sound negative to artists. I'm not trying to be down on them. I just, I, I get it. It's passion, it's art, it's creativity. And then that's excitement. Um, but if you don't have budget for marketing and if you aren't doing it, you, it's, it's potentially just not doing service to the song you created. It's doing a disservice. And, and uh, you know, the, the main questions I get from artists and, and businesses too, I don't want to just say artists, I like music businesses too, is, is how to do marketing online. You know, like, how do you get data and how do you look at data and how do you use data so that it's your ads are reaching the right people, you know? So it's a lot to take in. It, it really is. And uh, that's why we do this. Yeah. Through coaching, I've kind of discovered a bit of why artists are reluctant. And so, cause when asking them like, what are your challenges? What are holding you back? And a lot of times it's fear. Mm -hmm. and a lack of knowledge in something. And then I'm like, okay, that I can work with. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. I'll, you know, if you had someone to like guide you and teach you and help you and support you through that, we'll get you there. No problem. And I think it's just so overwhelming, all the many things that people tell them they need to do. Because if you're like, you need to be on social media. You need to be do this. You need to do that. Do this, this, that, that, that. And then they're like, ah, <laughs> I don't know how, and I can't, and I don't want to, and I just want to create. And that's a bit where that I just want to create part comes from. But if yeah. we could, you know, support artists and just say, you know what? For one, you got to do the work that no one else will. Yep. And two, it's like you you're so passionate about your music. Like let's give it the best shot it can have. Yeah. Um, by creating that relationships. I find so many artists too, like they message me. The only time I hear from them is if they message me of, Oh, go check out my song. Oh, all the time. Why do I care? Yeah. I'm we're even if we're friends. Well, we're not really friends. <laughs> you know? It's like um, you need to build, the relationship and then if i'm invested and i love your story and i love your music i'm gonna check out your music and it's a relationship that you can't just show up when you're promoting something that's so. that's it and and you know 
like a lot of what you say is exactly true. Um, you know, I use a metaphor often, like we're Canadian. So I use a metaphor of music is just like hockey. And because we understand hockey. So I, I try to use that as a bridge in, in communicating. And it's like, well, why did you start doing hockey? Like we use the word play, you know, like it's fun. And, and when I was a kid, I played hockey and I played guitar and it wasn't business. It wasn't marketing. It wasn't promotion, none of that stuff. But if you want to get to the big league, like if you want to get to the NHL, you better think marketing and promotion and you got to be a team player. And, you know, when the coach says, hey, I need you to move to fourth line because I'm going to play these other guys, that player has to go, okay. And he's like, if they're like, I'm moving you to center because I think that strategy will work best for this game. They got to go, okay. And they got to be that team player. And, and yeah. you know, uh, with hockey, like I, I, I use it as well because my nephew, like he's in his early 20s and he just finished playing in the WHL. Um, obviously trying to get to the NHL and COVID, like imagine, I feel bad for him. Like, I mean, you know, his, his last season in the WHL ends early and you don't even get to play your final games properly. Uh, he has got no choice about it. And he's been since uh, drafted to uh, one of the farm teams of the NHL. And that season hasn't started yet, <laughs> you know. And, <laughs> but the thing about it is, is that he's trying to get there and he's been traded. And, you know, there's stuff that happens that we just don't control, but we have to keep going. And, and at the end of the year, there's one team that wins the cup. There's one team that's voted MVP or one player voted MVP and you try again next year. And what do you do in between strategy, figure out how to do better. But what, the, what also the team is doing is trying to sell season tickets and trying to sell merch. And, and that's how like Toronto Maple Leafs has not won a cup in, I don't know how many years I stopped counting or caring. Uh, but they're one of the richest teams in the league because they know how to sell merch even though yeah. they're, they're like barely in the playoffs most of the time. So, so that's the thing is like, whatever you're doing, you got to kind of take it and, and go, what do I do that's special and unique? Uh, what do I do well, that connects to people? And then how can I figure out how to make money off of it? And, you know, I grew up in Edmonton with a, probably the best hockey team ever having Gretzky and all that. And, you know, Gretzky was on commercials for cereal, for hockey sticks, for sports cars. He probably made more money off of sponsor endorsements than playing hockey. Um, so there's, you got to take what you do and kind of think outside the box. And, and right now is the best time to think outside the box, actually. Where COVID is weird. There's silver linings in this. It's a, it, there's amazing opportunities right now. It's yeah. really cool. So, you know, it's amazing artist development time, you know, and I, and by that, I don't mean just your music. <laughs> yeah. It's develop your online presence, learn new things, you know, sign up for, there's a lot of free information out there. Go find it. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like, like for instance, try translating online to like a live show. Like, so there was a, there was a band that I worked with that 
would play the horseshoe, which holds, I think it's 450 cap. And they themselves would bring 150 people, which is pretty good. But in a venue that holds 450 people, 150 people doesn't look that impressive. So one of the strategies that we did is that, and the other thing too, it's like the, the people coming out, you got to make it like a sense of urgency or importance because you know, if you're in a room that's half full, you could be like, well, I could see this band anytime. Uh, so no urgency next time tickets go on sale. So what we did is we actually took the band and had them play at the Cameron house, which at that time, the capacity was 45 people. So 30% of their audience. And I'm like, you got to be able to sell this out. And we did. And um, I put a sort of task on them to sell it out in one week, which they did. Uh, you know, and you got to think for 10 bucks a ticket, that's 450 bucks. And, you know, I, I it's funny because I was, when I started, I was like, they're asking me who's opening. I'm like, don't worry about who's opening. This is your show. Here's the tickets. Go sell them. And they would kind of be stuck on who's opening. And I'm like, who cares? This is your show. Go sell these tickets. You got a week. So when they came back and said, okay, it's a week, here's the tickets or the sales of the tickets, you know, we, we did it. Can you tell us who's opening for us? And I said, well, actually, no one. Why do you need anyone else? Because you just sold it out. It's your whole audience. Yeah. Why Do you want to split that money with someone else? What we're going to do is we're just going to add a second show. So that's your seven o'clock show. And now this is going to be your later show, like 11 o'clock. And uh, you've got two weeks to sell these tickets out. So they did. And, you know, when sit back, you're like, okay, they just did the smallest room in Toronto, but they just made $900 off the door sales that they don't have to share with anybody. And merch sales on top of it, they made 1200 bucks total. Yeah. Like the smallest room. So I'm thinking like, how about online? Can artists maybe cap some of these? Like if, if they actually say, hey, it's a $10 charge to see us play live, make it an event. And say, like, there's only like 30 tickets available or 40 tickets. Instead of trying to always go for the most we can get and it's open-ended, now it's not urgent. But if it's always sold out and you can never see this band, you're going to be like, next time it's on sale, I, I probably need to jump on this or I'm going to miss out. You know? Yeah. And it's also nice to say, hey, we had a sold-out show. So... You know, like that, that's also an important thing. Like when you're promoting stuff, it's like, yeah, we usually sell out our shows. That's a good thing to say. So, yeah, you, you know, like there's ways to do it. Um, and, and I think sometimes everybody's trying to just get the biggest and most too soon. You know, uh, like the common sort of uh, mistake from out of town bands coming to Toronto is like, hey, we want to play Lee's Palace. It looks like the best venue. And I'm like, are you bringing <laughs> 400 people? Yeah, please don't play these policies. <laughs> you know, right? And I, I think that's translating online a bit. And it's like, whoa, like, don't bite off more you can chew. And 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 if you if you kind of like put it in a way that your story is going to grow because you're starting at exactly where you're starting at, like say the Cameron House. And I love the Cameron House, right? And they've increased yeah. their capacity since then. It's like 100 now, but if you're playing a small, intimate place 
that crowd really kind of resonates with you and they can be super fans. Yeah, that's what gets you the the super fans, the loyal fans that will support you no matter what. Yeah. Is those small intimate things. Like and even online if you, you know, say cap it at 30 people and the bonus is like we're going to have a little chat as well. Yeah. And really make that personal connection with those 30 people. Yeah, exactly. I'm like You got it. Yeah, and why not take like group selfies online with each and every single person, you know? And Yeah. And, and, but you do that and then you send it to them with a private message or you yeah. put it in a graphic frame that's got your branding on it. And you're like, here you go. And, and you go and as well, here's your Instagram one. And now people are posting about you, you know? Yeah. Now they're telling everyone they know when yeah. they have an experience like that. Exactly. And, and so it's, it's right now is think experience and, and put yourself where, or put your fans in the position to grow with you. Right. And so if you get it to a bigger amount, people go, Oh, wow, things are getting better. And they're more apt to tell other people because they want to be the ones known. Hey, I discovered this band first. This is like my band. And, yeah. and you know, uh, there's, there's ways to do it online. And, and I think everybody's just COVID has got everybody kind of panicked a bit at the start of all this. Uh, now I think everyone's just sick of it. Uh, yeah. So, so gotta I gotta figure yeah. out how we can keep going. Come on. It's not going away overnight. Let's do this. You know? Yeah. Like, so. and, and, you know, kind of getting back to the Indie Week part is that, you know, we're really setting the message that this is the time to connect. Partly, if you think of it, normally in the spring, we would be going to showcase festivals in Europe, say like Great Escape, Liverpool Sound City, Focus Wales, uh, even earlier Eurosonic and so forth those places won't have in-person events yet i don't believe in spring and if so there's a good chance it won't be allowing international travel still uh not the way we're used to right so what they'll probably do because a really important aspect of each of these is international participation so connect now so your artists can be scheduled to participate in the spring uh, that's how I see it. Otherwise, you're going to miss it, and then you're waiting another year for that opportunity to come around. Yeah, you want to be first in mind when things do start happening. Exactly, but it's going to be online, so why not be the first in li- line to be that band from Canada or yeah. from Toronto? Uh, get it so that they know about you. And you know, sometimes it may take a bit. They might say, "Okay, maybe not this time," but now you're on their radar. And, and keep the updating them keep so that they know what you're doing so that even when that chance comes around, you're now first in line because they want you there. So, uh, yeah, huge, important opportunity right now, I would say. Cool. So for CD baby, um, if someone doesn't know what that is, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, um, CD baby, what your role is at CD Baby, and how it all works. Sure. Uh, in a nutshell, uh, CD Baby is one of the world's largest distributor uh, for independent artists online. Uh, CD Baby's probably been around the longest. Uh, I think it was like 98. And I'm, I'm saying that in the sense that I actually talked to the guy that started it back then, Derek Sivers. 
I would email him and we'd talk a little bit. Uh, I was trying to get him to play or not play, but come talk to in, at Indie Week. Uh, and just scheduling didn't work out. So I knew about CD Baby, but so CD Baby started basically Derek Sivers uh, put his CDs online for sale. And musicians at the time also were like, how did you do that? Could you do that for us? And so we actually found realized that there's a service need there. And so we started putting other people's CDs online for sale and it turned into a business. Uh, and with that CD baby, you know, have seen, has seen a lot like from warehousing CDs to selling and downloading MP3s. Um, but CD baby was also integral in indie growth in the sense that it was the first company to get independent music on iTunes because before you had to be with a record label or you could not get on iTunes. Uh, right. So, so that was a huge step. And uh, I was hired last year. Basically the role sort of came about because of Indie Week. See, there's that crossover because um, I had done a trade mission to South America and I'd actually on that mission met the reps in Chile, in Brazil, in Argentina, I think Colombia. And then uh, I was running Indie Week in Manchester as well uh, until Brexit. I decided to stop because who knew what was happening with Brexit. Um, but uh, CD Baby sponsored Indie Week there and so on. So that's how that all came about. And, and so CD Baby is basically an online distributor where a DIY type service so that the artist basically retains all their rights and uh, they own the music. So if they want to take it down and want to do anything, it's all up to them. Um, it's so basically they just have to, you know, prepare the metadata, make sure the song file format is correct, uh, upload. And, and essentially we've got two sort of tiers of services. There's the standard, which is basically just the upload and there's pro, which is a little bit more expensive. Um, but it basically we're the publishing administrator, which means we register your music worldwide with different uh, PROs. So like in Canada, we know SoCan, but this would be, I think it's up to 150 countries around the world that we would register your music in. So then you're collecting properly from all these different territories. Um, it's kind of a miss like there's a bit understanding disconnect that so if you're registered with SoCan you're covered and you're not not on everything um, and SoCan works with say other territories but as a foreign entity not a local so that means there's potentially other royalty collections being left on the table so what the publishing administration means is that we register music in Germany as if you live in Germany with the German version of SOCAN. And right. so then you're collecting royalties as if you're in Germany, uh, which some of the stuff SOCAN misses. Um, the other part is, is that it's collected faster because it's direct to us. Um, and CD Baby pays out money every week to artists. So if money is collected, there's no waiting. It's just a check next week. Um, right. so, you know, that's, that's one part of the service and, I, and I'm not discrediting SoCan. SoCan's great at what they do, 
Um, and it's a hard, hard business, like trying to collect royalties from all these other entities from around the world. When in some countries, you don't even know how their office is running, you know, yeah. uh, but it takes time. So just think in a normal process, uh, SOCAN has to wait for a report to come from Germany and that report might not come for six months. And then SOCAN has to figure out how they're distributing the money that came from Germany, and that may take some time. So uh, we just, that I really recommend that, you know, the, the pro version uh, tier of our service just really helps collect that money for you. It takes one thing off your plate, I guess, you know, Yeah. have something, just one less thing to worry about. You're all taken care of there. Yeah. And in some cases, some artists have sort of said, well, what if I don't want to be represented in a territory and like, okay, then take it off, you know? But the issue is that, uh, you know, sometimes people like it is a higher price to, to put out that under the pro um, right. and we do like one of our pricing structures that's different than everyone else is that it's a one-time fee. So basically you pay it once and your music is up for life. You don't have to pay a fee every year. And also if we make a deal with another service, so like for instance, the Spotify of China, which like Tencent, we just made a deal last year with your music's automatically going to be represented there. We just add it. So some other services, you kind of have to stay on top of it and go, oh, you're working with another one and you have to go in and check it off. Otherwise, it may not get pushed out to that area. Um, and sometimes that's an extra fee. So on our end, it's, it's literally one-time fee. And then wherever we distribute, you're there. You don't have to check extra or you come back and check it out or anything. And then uh, we, the TRO or sort of the, like the pro version, we do the publishing administration and collection. Uh, the one thing is that, you know, like we take uh, depending on level of the services or, and whatnot, it's nine to 15% and of the royalties. So uh, we get a percentage of what we're collecting, but that's incentive for us to go after it and, make sure you're collecting and make sure you're getting as much money as you can because otherwise, you know, we don't make anything. Uh, so there's an incentive for us and we've got right. teams that are fighting for artists in these deals. They're, they're trying to get the best deals possible. And when an artist signs up with CD baby, um, are they charged like per single that they release or is it like a flat fee? How does that work? Uh, yeah, it's either per single or per album. So right. uh, that's that's one thing that's different too. Like, uh, you know, it's it's per item is really what it is. Right. And how are you finding, the big question is, album versus single release. Um, more and more, I recommend single, single, single. If you want to release an album at some point, let's lead up to it. Um, because that way you have a opportunity for promotion. You have something new every month or two. Um, the challenge comes in is if you release an album all at once and then start promoting it very quickly, that album's already been released. Um, 
And if you're trying to get on a Spotify playlist, again, it's it was released. It might be your second or third single, but it was still released back then. Have you heard of any like ways around that? Or is the band oh. that just said that they released their whole album last week screwed? Like you're talking about like single versus album release, right? Like if yeah, the single if you're promote if you do the whole album, then you know, three months from now you're you know, promoting the second single and then a third single. It's very quickly the album's old and it's hard to harder to get media blogs, Spotify playlists when the song's already been technically released. And I'm wondering if there's a way around that. I've heard of different ways of I've heard like the big the big stars somehow find a way around that of making it new again. I'm just not sure how that works. Yeah, well, sometimes they just upload it again and it's a different version. Uh, and and that's one thing. Okay, so first off, artists often are coming to me going, well, Kanye did it. And I'm like, Kanye can call the people that run the company and they want his music. So you can't look at that as an example, right? Um, you know, because it's business and the reality is, is, you got sometimes this is me my just sort of my sort of take on it is i think some of the companies make you know allowances for stuff that they know yeah. is going to make them money that's just business right uh and other stuff it's like no you just got to follow policy so uh, so with that said uh i recommend doing singles um almost sort of as like market research in knowing what is going to resonate with your fans or not. So as you're releasing singles, do take a look at data and what's resonating and kind of maybe when you do release an album, maybe just the best of yeah. what you have released and some new music um, as opposed to, Hey, here's more of the stuff that didn't resonate before. So, cause a lot of times I'm hearing like, artists are going, I'm going to release everything as a single and then the album yeah. again. Um, now, here's why I would suggest singles is that you get a chance to submit for playlist consideration. And if it's an album, I believe on Spotify, they're only going to let you submit one track, maybe two for consideration of a full album. So that kind of yeah. burns the rest of the songs out. So if you're just doing single, single, you could actually submit each one right. for consideration. Um, and and uh, there's algorithms in place where Spotify likes it when an artist is always releasing stuff or like they're trying to get where everybody is putting out content. So to get around that and, like, you know, what a lot of artists think is like, I just need to release a new single every month and all that. And kind of going back to the marketing side is that sometimes artists are just releasing too much stuff to not really be able to give it time to market properly. You know, Hey, last week I released yeah. a single and here's another one. I've like crazy. So to do get around that is for a single and you can space this out, you release what I would call like my days would be the radio edit. Here's the short version. We've edited out the guitar solo or chopped a chorus and the outro isn't five minutes long and stuff like that. 
So you've got the radio edit, and that's the single. You may have the long form, which has the stuff in it that you chopped. So you've got right. two versions of it, potentially an acoustic. I always recommend an instrumental. And the, the reason, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. So you've got the edit, the long form, the acoustic, the instrumental. And I would do a collaboration with somebody so you could do a feature. And uh, like somebody remixes it or so you get somebody to sing on top of it. So you've got potentially five different versions of this track and you don't like, then the artists tend to go, okay, do you release it all at once? No, you spread it out. And it like, that could be over a year that you're doing that. And in between those, you work a different single and, and so on. So you get overlapping kind of things. So it's like, if I release a song in May, the, sh the single edit, maybe a month later, I'll release an acoustic version. Uh, then maybe three months later, the feature with that's a remix or has somebody else on it. You know, the instrumental version, I might even release it prior to the single. Just like there's no words. It's just here's music, you know. So it's drawn out over the year. But in between all that, you're releasing different singles. So it's kind of like every three months, maybe a new single. But in between that is the other kind of content. Um, and it kind of gives opportunity to these songs to have a longer life. And maybe people resonate more with the acoustic version. You never know. Um, the importance of the instrumental version is just being able to have it on hand if you ever are pitching for uh, like TV placements or sync placements. Uh, they always want instrumental as well as the original. And the instrumental, you don't want to change the mix at all. And, and sometimes producers have a hard time with this. Like, you know, hey, can you just mute the vocal track? And producers go, cool, well, I'll just tweak it a bit so it sounds good. No, no, no. Just hit the mute button. That's it. Just mute. And the reason being is that, you know, when you're placing in, in film or TV, they want to be able to edit and they want to be able to pull in the vocal version or the instrumental version at any time. And it has to sound the same. So uh, just a little tip. So algorithms always release stuff. Uh, you can spread out the versions so that you're really promoting the song over time and make sure there's an instrumental version as well. That hopefully that all makes sense. Oh yeah, no, that's pretty much all the advice that I usually give. I'm, I still am curious what we could do to help those bands and artists that do come to us and say, "I, I put the whole album out last week." <laughs> do you ever recommend them to take it back down, especially if it's an artist that's not really known that well yet, and they just did, they just did the mistake. They didn't know. Yeah, it's it's a tough that that's a tough one. Like pulling it down and putting it back up could cost them more money and stuff and trouble. Uh, and plus, once it's registered with the ISRC codes uh, and UPC codes, uh, they're registered. You you know, I've had, I had this sort of conversation with an artist fairly recently, and I literally had to think old school. Like I used to work at HMV and go, you know, when we 
open the box and the CD is printed and we put it out, like if there's a typo, well, it's printed. <laughs> it's, <Yeah. laughs> that's spelt wrong and it's right there. Uh, the only option is is pull it off the shelves and ship it back and reprint it, which is money Pretty expensive. And time, right? Yeah. So things are kind of still the same in the digital world a little bit. Like, uh, you know, um, all of the services are very picky on the data. They're very strict and getting strict, like more strict than they ever have. Um, things like weird spellings and different cases. Like, you know, if it's like no vowels and two uppercase and three lowercase, like they, they're not liking that anymore. Um, and a lot of artists are kind of trying to trick the system with weird names. Right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you know, you got to think in trying to make sure everybody gets paid properly, we need to be able to find it. And you know, who, who's looking up DXPXR? Like who knows what that is? Yeah. I just made that up, but I just saw an artist name last week. That's very similar to that. And you go, you wonder why it's hard for collections and royalties to come your way because no one knows how to search for it to check things because they have to know exactly what your name is, you know? Um, and again, I'm old school, but like if you looked at Black Sabbath, there's only one Black Sabbath and you know how it's spelt. Uh, it's not hard. The Eagles, you know how it's spelt. Uh, but this other stuff, it's, it's starting to get cracked down a lot and it's actually starting to get turned down by Spotify uh, a fair bit. So sometimes when artists are submitting their tracks, if they've got weird cases and spellings, it's getting turned down and they think it's us, but it's actually the services we're sending it to. Right. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a weird world in that sense, but like this, it's kind of almost getting back to like, just keep it simple and, it's easier to look you up and it's easier to collect, you know, like sometimes uh, artists are like, why well, don't I have more streams? And I'm like, nobody's looking up DXXPXR, <laughs> like nobody's Googling that, you know? Um, so it's hard to just be discovered just simply on a name sometimes. Yeah. So why do you do all this? <laughs> I always ask like, I always ask, uh, what's your why? So why, why do you keep doing this? What, what? Everybody's, that's been a common question lately. And what is you know, your why? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird. Like I, for me personally, it's like I, in, since grade six, I've known I wanted to do something in music. Um, since I've been 14, I've been, I literally have been doing something in music. Uh, it was performance early and then retail and, managing and booking bands and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. Like I, I get a kick out of strategy and, and planning and, and doing all this stuff, but uh, also education is a big part of what I do. Um, outside of this, I actually teach. I've been teaching for just over 20 years uh, and I still teach. I teach at Harris Institute uh, how to do websites for music and stuff. So um Education has always sort of been a big part of what I do. And I, I, I think it's important to try to help people like succeed. Like it's, it's been sort of a, a basis of my business is 
help others. And, you know, it's sort of funny, this actually came up in a talk with Martin Atkins just uh, yesterday. And uh, you, you know, what's funny, <clears throat> excuse me, is that I've never had a resume. I've never had a portfolio. I don't even have time to keep a website together about myself or anything. But yet I still get offers and I still get referrals. And the only way I can do that is through helping others. And that's how all my business has been is just through referrals. And that referrals only came because at some point before I helped someone else. So, um, yeah, and I think it kind of also helps to make the world a better place, you know, just help people. And if we all have one life, hopefully it's a good one. And, you know, artists have a hard time with stuff and they always have, and hopefully we can make it better. Yeah. And we've all had mentors and coaches that showed us the way. So it's a way of passing that on too. It's like, if I can help you get to where you want to go faster than you could on your own, let's do it. Absolutely. I think that you nailed that too, in that sharing experience from mistakes. And yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I feel I've made We've a did ton all the mistakes, mistakes for you. We'll, sh we'll show you how to avoid them. Ton of mistakes in the past, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think, uh, it's also, you sort of see someone else like doing something you're like, whoa, 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 no, no, you don't want to do that. I, yeah. I did that 10 years ago. You don't want to do that. Trust me. And, and you're just trying to help people out. But, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, you know, ever since grade six, I just knew I wanted to do something in music and, and here we are. It's, uh, many years later and, and hopefully many more to come. Cool. Well, that's all I got for you. And where are you? I know your website. What is your social media handles? Oh, uh, well, Indie Week, we're basically just Google Indie Week and uh, IndieWeek.com, Indie Week on Twitter, Indie Week on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, CD Baby Canada on Instagram is the account that we run for Canada. Uh, if you are a CD Baby artist as well, if you go to our Instagram account, again, CD Baby Canada, there's links in the bio. Uh, we do have a DIY blog, DIY podcast, tons of information on how to do stuff. Uh, but we also have a CD Baby Canada playlist, and you can submit songs for consideration off of links on our Instagram. Oh, cool. And uh, if anyone wants to connect with me, just Google Daryl Hers, and stuff will come up. Uh, Instagram is usually where I'm hanging out, though. Cool. Well, good luck with uh, Indie Week this year. Uh, I'm sure everyone will get so much out of it. Yeah, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, uh, we didn't even talk, but just I got to do a quick plug. Every Tuesday, we do a free session called Indie Weekly. That also is on our website. And I hope people do tune in because uh, we've been having a great time on there. Cool. Endless resources. It's great. Yes. All the time now. Cool. Well, thank you so much. That was awesome. Thanks for listening to Sing, Dance, Act, Thrive. Be sure to join the mailing list at dianefoy.com to gain access to exclusive bonus content, a weekly newsletter, and an invitation to our private Facebook group of purpose-driven performing artists and industry influencers. 